Welcome to Status Quo, where WNYC doesn't give a crap about who they're blowtorching as long as their crappy church music can get over. And this is the ERN podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or is, something it, like is that. it the ERN podcast? I'm not sure. I thought it was the E-Rape podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if, if we ever release a, a behind-the-scenes episode, we could probably show that part. We were supposed to start recording 48 minutes ago, but we yeah, got caught we up were. playing sound files for each other. And then we were waiting for Marley, and then we were all. Oh yeah! On Cam- today's Cameron's- episode, Marley is so far down to the ground. I don't think I don't think she'll come back for another two episodes. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we got an interesting episode ahead of us here. I got. I guess I can give. You Gabe sound the like the most unenthusiastic person <laughs> in the universe right now. Right, Cameron over here sounded like he's being held at gunpoint. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to the Aaron Podcast. So here, out here we got Cam, we got Lawson, we got Anna. My name's Gabe, and then we are going to be doing some interesting fucking shit. So we are going to be doing a little new a little segment that we're gonna be carrying on with a couple podcasts called uh Yeah uh, History. <laughs> I know I couldn't come up with a better name. Maybe history a class with Gabe. Yeah, it's history class with Gabe, and uh, today's episode we are going to be talking about emergency alerting in the United States before the EAS was a thing. So this is everything pre nineteen ninety seven, and then another thing we got some more information on the DAS three, particularly pricing, and uh, we got some uh, interesting thoughts about that. So um, yeah, welcome to the Year on Podcast. Yeah, I guess if you guys doing? are liking what you guys are hearing so far, you guys can hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, I guess we can get started. Roll that yeah. intro we don't have. Bart, I don't want to alarm you. Bart, I don't want to alarm you. Play the, play the, uh, here, here, here's, this is what I'll intro, what our intro could be. We can do the fucking local access alert thing. Oh gosh. Let me, let me find it. Roll that intro. Isn't this supposed to be? I like don't want to some- alarm you. But this is a weather bulletin from the St. Joseph's Communications Center. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to the Yard Broadcast. Um, if my audio degrades about three times, if if my audio degrades randomly during this podcast, that is probably because my cat has unplugged my microphone. So, sorry. Oh yeah, Anna has a cat now. No, and then. Bitch. Yeah, Gabe <laughs> looks like Gabe. not not Gabe. Cameron over here looked like he's living in 480p. Like, what the fuck is your camera quality? Right oh now? yeah, oh yeah. We you, y'all can't see this, but we have our cameras. We most of us have our cameras on, except for Lawson because Lawson decided to chuck the webcam off the Empire State Building. Um, the yeah. uh, <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh, let's get yeah. started. Uh. This was not my fault. I I was in a fight with my mom, and then my mom okay. in the heat of my in the heat of the moment threw something, and that something just so happened to be on my webcam, and she threw it at the wall, and it separated into about seven different pieces to the point where I can now access the motherboard. Nice. So, so yeah, sure let's get started. Um, do we want to start with the dad stuff, or do we want to get to the history? I'd say let's start with the history. Yeah. All right. Uh, you've been planning this for about a week. More like, more like thinking about it for a week and actually creating a plan 17 hours ago. So let's go. So, so everybody knows about the EAS, you know, and then, you know, the, uh, you know, the mostly, mostly intelligible messages, unless you're, I guess, I guess if you're in the 35, unless you're WABC or WTOP, those are about the only two WTOP intelligible. 
Yeah, basically, if you live in an area, if you live in an area with common sense, it's probably intelligible. Um, and uh, and then you got, and then you have your little EOMs of bam, bam, bam. Or if your store, if your local station has a Holly in, you'll have a you'll have a bunch of uh, you'll have a bunch of H's in there because yep. yes. of course. If you don't believe us, look it up. It's weird. Anyways, um, so in the before times, before 1997, um, we had the EBS, which which introduced the dual tone attention signal, and it was mostly mostly op- mostly dependent on station operators. We'll get to that in a moment. Before that was the emergency action notification system, which often gets bum- bumped into the EBS because they are very similar. However, they are in fact different. And I'll get to that in just a second. But first, we got to get to the granddaddy of all emergency alerting in this country. And that honor goes to Conrad. So, you might be wondering, what in the what in the mother of U.S. military pronunciations is this? Well, it stands for the Control of Electromagnetic Radiation. Very appealing. Very appealing yeah, exactly. to the audience. Um, and the... And so the Conrad wasn't actually used for civil emergencies. It was used. It was used in the event. It was used in the basically. Conrad was created in during the Cold War, and well, the, the Cold War was very cold. So cold, in fact, that most of the most of the nations were in fact very cold to each other. And in those particular nations that we're that are in question here are the Soviet Union and the United States of America. <laughs> and um, shush. <laughs> <laughs> is there something you would like to say not really i guess i'm just not surprised that alerting systems were born in that era yeah when with the threat of the threat of inter- the threat of icbms and bombers and nukes kind of it's kind of necessary you know mm-hmm. outside of the you know just the standard air raid sirens and shit so um but yeah Conrad was created by the United States Civil. Basically, it basically it was created by the United States Civil Defense Office, and um, the idea behind Conrad was to provide emergency information on how to survive nuclear blasts to the to the public. And the way and one of the concerns that they had, what makes the system a little interesting, was that was that this is this was uh, just before the Soviet Union had ICBMs. So the idea is that to deliver a nuclear device into a po- into a populated area, you have to use a bomber. Now the the U.S. the U.S. thinks the the U.S. thought that those bombers were using the radio signals generated by radio stations to be able to hone in on certain certain areas. So they're basically they're using it for their navigation. Um, kind of see where they are because this is. Be- before GPS, um, but one of the main things about Conrad to to basically make avert this and make it so that it's practically very difficult to do so is that all of the stations went into a round robin mode. Say you are in, uh, say, close your eyes and imagine yourself back in the nineteen sixties or nineteen nineteen fifties, more more or less. You. You get in a you you hear on your you hear on your AM radio. Hello, this is a national emergency. Please tune to six forty 
640 kilocycles if you are in the Seattle area, or 1240 kilocycles if you are in the Tacoma area. And then it provides area, provides the, because uh, they have 640 and 1240, they're pretty de- decently far apart on the spectrum. And actually, a lot of radios back in the, that were manufactured in that day actually had the Conrad logo on those particular frequencies. And uh, the idea was, depending on your area, you tune into 640 or 1240, and then, and then once you uh, once the uh, EB once it, everything was tuned in, you'll hear a lot of weird shit. <laughs> basically, uh, basic basically the way that it works is that you have basic key stations, and then you have relay key stations. Each basic key station, each each base, ba- okay. Sorry, each basic key station is tied in to the air defense control centers that are around the nation, and th- those radio stations have just direct lines to them and information that gets relayed from Conrad to those stations. To those stations, get relayed over such over that station, and then then additional tele because this is all over telephone because what else is it going to be? It's not going to be wireless because that's a, that's not necessarily a thing yet. Um, and if it was wireless, then they would defeat the purpose of having the having it radi- having the radio station go offline. Additional additional telephone lines are relayed to other stations known as relay key stations. Each each basic key station is going to be the first thing you hear whenever you tune into a frequency during a national emergency. The basic key station will basically say, "This is a Conrad radio alert." This this station will be serving the Seattle area on six forty kilocycles. And it'll basically play like a pre recorded message, and then and then once the uh, pre once the pre once the pre recorded message goes through, it enters a round robin mode with the relay key stations. Base um, base key state basic key station goes off goes off the air, no carrier. Then it goes to the other station. Other ca- other station spins up their transmitter, relays information, then stops relaying information. Then it goes to another station, spins up, relays information, and goes back down. The idea is the idea, like I like I said earlier, is to confuse confuse enemy bombers using radio frequencies to to uh for, to use it for triangulating positions, and that is why that is why the system is, is the way it is. Now. Uh, for Conrad, for Conrad, there were some, there were false alarms that were sent out. Um, there, there was, uh, there was some, there was some false alarms. However, nothing as great, nothing very grandiose, nothing too. There was nothing very, um, very noticeable about that. But that, during that time. And we actually kind of do this nowadays. They used they had national civil defense drills, known as uh, Operation Alert. And Operation Alert had one of the basically it was actually it was the basically a mandatory nuclear to, nuclear attack drill. And the idea was, yo, get the fuck over to your civil defense bunker in your city. And they would do a Conrad simulation. Now I'm not going to go too far into it. Um, that's going to be a uh, 
that's going to be a, a case of um, maybe another episode. I mean, I kind of want to run through this because I have a lot on the EBS and EANS. So, why not get started with that, shall we? Is there anything you have any? Oh, yeah. Is there any questions on the Conrad system that you guys have right now? I guess I don't think so. so it's a pretty simple system. Yeah, exactly. What's up, Austin? So, what would be the procedure if you... So, like, did they have um, Conrad shelters laid out, like, broadly to the point where anyone in any majorly populated city could con- uh, could access one? Because I'm noticing now that a lot of the buildings in New York City labeled fallout shelter are either abandoned or if you do try to go to the lower section of the building, you will get shot. So those were, those were the, uh, and for New York specifically, because uh, there are, there's actually footage of the simulation happening in New York city. I'll have to send it to you a little later so you can look. Um, there is footage about that. This is kind of going back into the whole civil defense thing. Those fallout shelters were, were built by the U S department of civil defense. And that, and if in the event of operational or, or in the event of an actual activation, if you live near one of those shelters, what it, the radio would most likely instruct you to go to one of those towers, one of those shelters. Gotcha. So that's pretty much it. All right. And you got any questions or are you just uh vibing? I don't think Anna's there. I'm assuming she doesn't have any questions. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, now on to now on to the emergency action notification system, aka the one nobody talks about. So, when you think emergency action notification system, what is the first thing you think of? EAN, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. In fact, in fact, the emergency action notification system does carry over into the EAS a little bit. That used to be one of the original four event co- or four origination codes. But then, but then after a while, they decided to switch away from it. Give me one second. An emergency action notification network has issued an emergency action notification. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's skipping ahead a little bit. But the emergency action notification system was launched in 1963. Um, after after an order was. After an order was given from the president at the time, I forget their name, um, was to basically allow for allow for an well, basically it's a, the emergency action notification system was a continuation of the Conrad system, just a slightly more advanced. Um, the idea is that instead of using telephone lines and the uh, whole round robin system of doing alerts, what would happen? What would happen is that the e- the emergency action notification messaging would come over a tele uh, typewriter network or teletype is what it was called. Um, One of those and- two. No, it is teletype. Oh, okay. Or teletypewriter is what the actual thing is. Actually, Cam, uh, I believe uh, it's it's basically newswire. Oh, so yeah. you have you know about how you have your network wirelines come through? Mm-hmm. Same concept. Oh, but just just on a in a government uh, situation. It's mostly the same technology, actually. Except mm-hmm. it was just it was just like a telegram line connected directly to a typewriter, and the typewriter would type out the message as it was being received. So, 
the idea behind the EANS was to allow the president within X and within X amount of minutes, I believe it was 15 or something like that. Be, to be able to to be able to originate an EAN alert and then it gets sent out to all of the primary entry point stations because this is when primary entry point was first introduced. Primary entry point was introduced or actually primary entry point was introduced but not in its current name. Actually, the the actual station that are the actual so I don't I can't talk today. Can you tell? <laughs> English is a hard language. English English is hard. Okay. Anyways, so the Common Program Control Station or CPCS one would transmit would transmit or the uh, actually actually during the EANS times it would it would do it uh they would shut down their transmitter for five seconds, bring it back up for five seconds, shut it back down for five seconds, bring it back up for five seconds. Bring it down, bring it up, and then play a tone. So that tone, basically, John's station in terms of real <laughs> So basically, John. That was Liam before software. Yeah, Liam before I'm, no, software. I'm, I'm pretty sure it still is Liam. He's just like he roller coasters in bursts, or like a roller coaster like once a week or like once every two weeks. Anyways, um, outside of the whole roller coaster thing, sorry, I'm, I have to hydrate. I have to hydrate because sorry, it gave us hydrate. to hydrate because water is important. And, and I'm not even drinking water; I'm drinking diet cock. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a, a a diet cock. I mean, diet cock. I mean. <laughs> Please keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. I, I know you're probably gonna have to edit it out because Daz is gonna be like diet cock. Who the fuck are these kids? <laughs> Please sponsor us. What? Wait, wait, wait. Who said that? Was that Anna or Gabe? That was me. Oh. <laughs> I love how Anna just shook her head. She was like, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> Anna's mic is, is actually uh, broken at the second, so. Oh, wait. Did she send that in Riverside or Discord? Uh, Discord, but uh, of course is it was it Discord? the cat. Is okay. it Discord or <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, I'll relay uh, questions from Anna. Okay, cool. So... After the tone has been sent and diet cock has been consumed, the idea behind it is uh, to the, the idea behind it is just relay what's on the cell type, and it, this is on actually introduced some authentication codes. And so basically, every month, every month, each CPC as one station would get a new set of, or sorry, each year they would get a new set of identification codes, and then they can validate a message message if it was legit because mm-hmm. teletype writer teletype can be intercepted. Yeah, it's not the most secure protocol, <laughs> and that leads us to 1971. Yep, in 1971, at the Cheyenne Mountain Complex, and the Cheyenne Mountain Complex, teletype operator W.S. Eberhardt had they had three tapes, a test tape, 
and two tapes indicating a real emergency. Instruction instructing the use of VAN message number one and number two, which is conveniently located in the book that they all have. <laughs> so, I'm assuming that he inadvertently used the wrong tape. Yep. Which used the code word hatefulness. This message, the message ordered all stations to cease regular programming and begin an EAN using message number one. Oh, wow. And uh, the programming was basically the message stated that it was programming was it programming was interrupted by the at the request of the United States government. This is an emergency action notification alert that kind of shit and basically after the after the announcer was like oh shit they sent the cancellation with the correct Mm -hmm. code word and the it it was terminated there's actually audio from WOWO that had it and then that WOWO in Fort Wayne Indiana relayed it and then another recording from WCCO in Minneapolis, St. Paul, can also be pulled. You can find those. You can find those on YouTube. Um, very interesting shit, honestly, because it's like those. That was the closest thing we've had to an actual EAN until yep. 2011 when they did the EAN test. But I will go. I will do the. E, I will cover the EAN test later. Hello. Yeah. There we go. Oh, look at that! So, You're back. The false alarm, the false alarm was actually uh, disruptive to the point where the FCC actually suspended the use of te- use and testing of emergency action notification tests by the via the code word F- on February twenty fifth of nineteen seventy one, aka five days after the false alarm went over. Yep. Fun, f- uh, fun fact: there are recordings online of that. Uh, false alarm. Go look up W. That's what I just. That's what I said. I, I literally okay. said that like no less than thirty seconds ago. Um, I had to leave yeah, go check it out. It's very she interesting wasn't here. Yeah. yeah, please do. It is. It is some very interesting shit. Um, but then uh, later on in later on in the in its life, we we in we entered. We it, the Conrad signaling method, which is what the uh, transmitter going up and down was for, was retired. And in 1976, they introduced they introduced the almighty dual tone attention signal, which we all know and love. Does um, anybody have Does anybody have the dual tone attention signal quickly available to play? Uh, I don't think fact, so. The reason they retired the um, the Conrad up and down is because it actually produced unnecessary wear on the transmitters to the point yeah. where the transmitters would only last a couple of years before they just completely break. Cause yep. a transmitter going up and down like that provides, it causes a crap ton of wear on the transmitter. It's basically, it's like starting your, it's like shutting off your car and starting it 17 times in a row. It produces a lot of wear. The car is probably not going to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, that, all that all transmitter equipment is pretty sensitive, anyways. So, yep, can't really do stuff like that. I mean, if it was like a normal computer, yeah, you could do that. But you got to think it's a lot of wiring. It's a, a a lot of transmitters, even modern ones, are all physical. None of it really is controlled by a computer, unless you're talking about power control. Yeah. So, 
since the EBS stress test was scrapped, the emergency broadcast system was born. And with it, the dual tone attention signal. The dual tone attention signal is a combination of two frequencies, particularly, particularly, uh, fuck. 960 and 853. That's what I, I, I literally just had that pulled up. <laughs> you can tell Anyways. me what we're doing. Yeah, I'm just lacking the brain cells today. And for, yeah. So, and then for the, uh, for, and then just kind of test it, we can go through, we can, there's a, there actually, if you guys want some really good material on the EBS in 1991, the station's W state Durham light broadcasting or the, uh, station operator station operators for uh, WPTF and, uh, WQDR down in Raleigh, North Carolina, they produced a training tape on how to operate the EBS. Great shit. If you that is the that is that is literally the station's perspective on how the EBS works. I'll do a quick rundown for you guys here just to make sure that I make just make sure you guys have an understanding and I'll answer any questions. But if you guys want the in-depth shit, 30 minute 30 minute VHS tape that was uploaded to YouTube. Good shit. So um, I was just going to run through a quick test. So, normal programming was suspended um, during this during these tests, and then it basically basically it was predate it was preempted by an announcement. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. And then it played. Then the station played twenty to twenty five seconds of EBS tone. Compared to the eight seconds, compared to the eight seconds that was put in for the EAS, and then, and then the, uh, then you had the test script where it was like, "This is a test of the emergency broadcast system." The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with federal, state, and local authorities, had developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. This had been an actual emergency. You would have been, you would have been instructed to where to tune in your area for news and official information. This to the following, I, I I almost said the following tones conclude this test, which doesn't apply to the EBS. Welcome to EAS. <laughs> the EAS says hello. It's calling out, but for EAS, we'll get to it later. So the EBS, EBS. This was also the first time that television was actually introduced into the fold of into the fold of emergency alerting. That was uh, actually Conrad. He, he, for Conrad, all TV signals were actually told to just fuck off and dis- disallow usage. Um, and one of the things about it is, uh, one of the things about TV is that this is the first instance of uh, character generators being used. You had they, what stations would do during. Um, what stations would do when they were receiving an alert, they would quickly spin up a generic slide, and then once the uh, once the alert was finished, they would uh, scroll what the alert said. So if there was like a tornado warning, it'd say tornado warning for X, and it was all very manual. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it working also, in a TV station, it's it that just sounds like a pain. It was yes. also really slow because it required all operators to sit there and record a voice message and also listen to the voice message as it comes in 
to type it out in like a character generator manually. So mm -hmm. you could have character issues. You could have like mis mistyping. If, if it's for some random county, for example, let's say you just joined a TV studio back in the day around here and you just moved into the state. There are some, uh, there are some county hard names. To pronounce, here. Hard to pronounce, uh, how to pronounce oh. and hard to uh, spell out county names. Like, um, oh, what, what, what's one of those fun ones? Gabe also Waukesha? has a few. Like, um, Snohomish. 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 Clowlum. Click. Um, not, not, it's not a county, but it's a city named uh, Clickitat. Yeah. It's, but, it's some hard it's shit. Yeah. And, but yeah, um, but I will contradict you on one thing about that, Anna. The, for EBS, the way that they have it designed is that most stations relayed EBS messages live, unless you are the CPCS one who is originating the alert, the idea and I'm going to, how the alert origination process for that works is that. Authority, NWS, civil authority, uh, the governor, uh, the emergency management office intern would call would call the originating station. Let's use Cairo, for example. Station would they, they would call Cairo. Cairo would be like, "Yo," and then they would, and then the user, then the person was like, "Hello, I would like to activate the EBS," and then. Cairo would ask the would do would do challenge response checks just to make sure that it's a valid authority. How, can you can you tell me the word fifteen? And then the per, and then the person would respond with like, I believe the one for fifteen was like rocket in the uh, training tape. Then they would record from the phone what they would say, what they what the announcement was, or they would take it down. They would. They would take it down and have the announcer repeat it. Or if the message is really long, for instance, like a message from the governor, they would carry it live. And what they would do is that once they once the recording, once the recording and transcribing is done, the the CPCS one would interrupt their programming and say, "This mess or something or something like this." We interrupt this program for a special message from the emergency broadcast system. Special information will follow this tone. Beep. And then it'll go on. But after, but a, this is uses an interesting system. Tone would end. And then, and then they would say, then they would say, uh, this is, this is a message from the emergency broadcast system serving all stations in Snohomish County. This concerns a tornado warning, and it is for immediate broadcast. Stand by, please. Wait five seconds. For and wait five seconds so that all of the stations receiving that alert will patch in their EBS decoders into their main audio outfeed, so that all the CPCS one will be handling all the audio that goes out. Then the CPCS one will say. We interrupt this program for a special message from the emergency broadcast system. Special information will follow this tone. Ah! 20 seconds. And for, right reference that, <laughs> for reference, that is exactly how it sounds. <laughs> yep. And then they would say, 
We interrupt this program to we interrupt this program for a special message for all residents in Snohomish County. We switch now over to the National Weather Service in Seattle, and then they play the message. Once the message ends, it's like, stay tuned for more information. This concludes this broadcast of the Seattle-Tacoma area of the emergency broadcast system. Wait five we seconds. We now return you to normal programming. Shush. Five <laughs> seconds. Five seconds for all of the uh, for all of the people to back out of the back out of the program, and then normal programming will resume. Yeah, pretty fucking manual. Yeah, I mean patching audio isn't fun as is, but well, um, the audio would be patched. It would just be the audio in the, by design would just already be patched in. You would just need to turn up the fader and then turn down your music. I believe later on in the um, in the EBS, like for whenever TFT came around in the EBS, I think their boxes auto patch. Um. Like they have built-in receivers, and I think I think Emma's auto patches. Yeah, it should. Yeah, most the, later on in the EBS's life, that's auto. That was auto patch. It, it was most likely auto patched, but you know, just for uh, just for the uh, historical sake. Should I make an EBS box? Simplest <laughs> <laughs> thing ever, dude. Yeah, look, I already you have already have the attention detect for the end deck. What if I made an EBS box that used 1050 hertz as well? Oh, oh God. Okay. And actually has that actually leads me on to my next point. Um, so are you ready? No. So, um, later on during the time of the EBS, the national weather service was experimenting with some interesting shit. Um, at that point, they they were just broadcasting 1050 hertz for the, whenever they whenever they had their alerts, or they would call whatever station to actually alert outside of NOAA weather radio. One of the things that they one of the things that they were making was something called special or specific area message encoding, or SAME. Now, what SAME is is a data is a data burst of data burst of information that defines who's sending the alert. What the alert is, who it, where it affects, when it was issued, when it, when it was issued, when it when it expires, and the station's ending. Now the thing about same is that it's you it, it can be prone to errors depending on audio audio deformities. So what they did was they, you know, they, you know, they were like, you know what? Let's just send it three times for error correction, and that pretty much became the baseline of what the EAS is nowadays. That's why yep. that's why that's why you have like automatic CGNs and shit. So, however, that, however, e- EAS is a story for another time. The NWS, the NWS using it was was interesting to the point where at that point, that was when they were switching over to an automated weather system or basically just trying to getting rid of their broadcast console and you and trying to make it so that there wasn't a person making a bunch of recordings and switching tapes that eventually became the console replacement system or the CRS. Starting out with good old deck duck. This is this, this the is the National Weather Service. 
The current time is 8.23 p.m. Specific daylight time. Uh, Pacific daylight time. The current time is 8.23 p.m. Pacific daylight time. The current time is 11.24 Eastern daylight time. In case you guys didn't know, I had deck talk on my station. It's actually kind of funny. I run station ID and the time. Fun fact. Yep. About um, about the CRS though. After they got the um, after they got the upgraded voices, the um, VIP voices. Yes, the VIP voices. They actually had to have two CRS computers running twenty four seven, um, because one would be backup. But here's the thing: yep. one of those computers did not have the VIP voices. Or normally, one of those computers would not have the VIP voices. That's why on most stations during the CRS, you would hear the time read by the time or the station ID, usually both, read by Perfect Paul or the old um, the old CRS voices. Mm-hmm. The reason why is th- thanks to somebody in Quest who told me this. They actually had to have the CRS computers say something every like 30 minutes or so otherwise the computer would lock up in like an emergency state or something and these computers yep. were linked they were paired together so both of these CRS computers talked to talk to each other that's that's how they knew when to when one would go and one would and when the other one wouldn't so basically that they had the old computers read the time to make sure that they wouldn't go into an error state interesting way of doing it yeah, but you know that that's why you would hear the time as perfect Paul. Some some station some offices did actually have the VIP on both of them, and that's why sometimes you wouldn't you'll hear, hear that. like sometimes you'll hear Tom read out the time. Yeah, um, sometimes they used like Jill on one and Tom on the other. Was it Jill or Donna? Donna, whatever. They <laughs> the female voice. They yes. they would use the female one and the male one on the other. And that's why you'd hear them trade. But that's why normally with the CRS, you heard two different voices because they were legitimately two different machines. There was a technical, yeah. there was a technical need for it. So, but yeah, does anybody have any questions about the EBS? Not that I have so far. I mean, also like Colonel Red, it's kind of a simple system once you get into it. Yeah. Um, does anybody have any questions about uh, the early renditions of specific area message encoding? Because at that point, it wasn't AFSK. Beep. <laughs> at that beep. point, it wasn't actually AFSK. It was just beeps. No. <laughs> wasn't it FSK like proper? Nope. Same started out as just a dual tone or dual tone multi-frequency format or DTMF. And he used that to not know that one. <laughs> and he used that to transmit data over the broadcast. And then it but evolved then, over into AFSK. That was back in the early 80s, and then in 1985 they started experimenting with it with AFSK. Which it I have to iterate I, I have to I have to say this, otherwise Evan will get pissed. Same is not FSK. It is AFSK. There's a difference. 
Yes. The difference is weird, and you've never heard FSK. Most likely, I've never heard FSK. What you have always heard is AFSK. Yeah, I mean, the A stands this, for audio. <laughs> I'm doing this so Evan doesn't get mad at us. <laughs> I've heard FSK. It sounds a lot different than... It sounds like... I've... Hold on. Is... I'll probably just tell you this in Discord, actually. Um... It, uh, the difference between AFSK is, um, I think it's like, um, FSK moves the carrier, and AFSK plays tones, or something like that. I don't know. You should talk to Evan. Evan knows. Yep, we'll have to Evan bring him in here. Maybe he could explain it. Evan Wait, had an entire I think rant. I, under, I, think I understand. AFS, AF, so the diff- the primary difference between FSK and AFSK. Is that AFSK is audio frequency shift keying, so it it manipulates the audio that's being sent over sent over the carrier. Frequency shift keying or FSK modifies the carrier signal itself, as opposed to modifying the audio going over it. So, with that being said, it is highly unlikely that you've ever heard a pure AFSK or not AFSK, a pure FSK. Because it is yeah. quite literally the carrier signal itself shifting, not mm-hmm. the audio. So AFSK is, has a high and a low signal, which represents like a, a zero and a one, I'm assuming, right? Or am I yes. Mark and space. Okay. okay. That makes sense now. Anyways. Anyways. Um, but yeah. Um, and I don't know if we want to get hop into EAS in this episode. I can. No, let's wait till another one. <laughs> yeah. We got some Dazdex stuff to talk about, don't we? Oh, yeah. But after after this, word from our sponsor, WACN Technologies. Oh, God. <laughs> I ain't giving you any kind of words, bitch. All right. Cool. That, those are words. So, um, all right. Let's go over to the... Uh, and back to the ERN podcast. I'm okay. <laughs> Back to the RM podcast. Uh, we are going to talk about the Dazdex shit. Oh yeah, so it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, As so um, SEMS More SEMS expensive. broadcast equipment solutions uh, posted some Dazdex three stuff on their website, and we were able to deter- we were able to determine via some very interesting backdoor deals and. A bunch of interesting, a bunch of a very interesting and legally questionable acts, aka just going onto their fucking website. Um, we were able to find the price of the Dazdeck Three EX model, or the the oh, expanded oh. model. I well also found the EL. EL. The EL is on there as well. Mm-hmm. So for the EX, you can you can get one of your own Dazdeck Three EX models. For the low, low price of three thousand two hundred and ninety-five dollars, plus tax and shipping, which is still a little bit lower than the one net units. Like you can get a loaded up one net with more features for the, for that cost. Oh, really? Because I thought it was like around four thousand. Probably. How much I mean, was the one net you got? The one that I got retail, I seen online around four thousand two hundred dollars. Well, how much did you get on eBay? I bought it on eBay for the record uh barely used it wasn't even set up it was still in the box i got it for about 600 
because i bad. remember you being in a vc with us and you were like this is barely set up because you were showing us the the the, the rack the images yeah. yeah like the rack mount ears and the rack mount ears were like never used it looked like you literally just took it out of the box it was it the one, and then when i got it i came to the conclusion that it was completely brand new never been used never been touched well, they I mean, it has been, been touched. They took it out of the box to take pictures, but I mean, yeah, well, they, they say they pulled it from work environment. I think what they meant is that it was just sitting on a shelf. <laughs> no, I, I don't even think it was said it was from a work environment. It was literally no, never that, used. No, that's what the eBay. Yeah, no, that's what the eBay thing said. Because I oh, did it? And we're talking about it. It said it was pulled from working environment. And we were like, the only way this could have been pulled from working environment is if, is if its working environment was sitting on a shelf. Like maybe as a backup unit. Yeah, probably. Because I remember that one that one broadcast engineer dude that Anna sent me. You remember that broadcast engineer dude who you're like, he has three sages and a couple of dazzes. Mm-hmm. Like three blue boxes. It's probably one of those dudes where they just have a shit ton of backup units just to have. Well, I mean, especially with especially with the Daz stuff, you can just drag, you can basically just save a, a backup every once in a while if it's config and then just drop it into a new unit. I, I have the price for the EL pulled up. The... Daz 3 EL entry level emergency me- messaging platform cost $2,195. Which still isn't that bad. It's cheaper than a Sage Digital. I wonder if, I, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if they're trying to go for a competition on that, but I mean, especially the Sages, they still have way more monitors and stuff, so. Just remember, the Daz is still just a PC. Yep. I mean, still, I mean, it's good so to have price competition somewhere. Silence. I still but prefer yeah. the Sage overall because even though the Sage can't do as much as the DAS, it still interfaces with any CGen um, system, external CGen, except for like the SEMS, but you know, makes sense. Um, then you've got the. You, you've got freaking six monitors. You've got an audio input that can just be used. Um, it can switch audio without actually using the built-in audio switches. The Sage Digital, digital can also do digital audio. Just easily switched. That was recently added to the DAS properly. But the, the Sage Digital just already had that. Um, and the... It can do like it, the Sage Digital has six com ports. The DAS, you have to pay for a license to get one. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you have to pay I, for another I, license key to expand it over USB. Yeah. Actually, speaking yes, of license Sage, keys, did we do we know if there's any more license keys? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, DAS's website actually, yes, still hasn't. Daz's website still hasn't um, updated yet. For Which isn't surprising because the last time I talked to Daz, they said that they were having issues updating something and it wouldn't allow them to change the website. So SCMS actually does have, the, as far as I know, it actually does have the licenses on there. I'm going to double check and double check on pressing, but I believe they have like the upgrade keys. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I think it, like the, the, the V5 upgrade, I think was like $500. Give me a second. There is a license key to open the box. The DASDEC 3 was created by EA. 
Yes, <laughs> you, you have to open the box and then there's a license key to set it up. And then so, you have license Oh, yeah, they have got a bunch of license keys on here. Yeah. Two pages worth. Are they up? Are they, is there any new ones that you see? Uh, there's GPIO. Um, the Dastry ELE, I, you can see, I can see the, the license key for um, the radios. HDMI out. MPEG 2. Uh, you can you can spend five hundred forty four dollars and fifty cents on a five year warranty. So back to so for Dazdeg V five, um, to upgrade a unit, to upgrade a unit that is um, from three up, it's a thousand, and then to upgrade to upgrade from version four, you. To upgrade from version four to V five, it is for it is four hundred ninety five dollars. So is that is about five hundred dollars the usual cost of software upgrades? Uh, I forget how much the four point three upgrade or the four point zero upgrade was. Yeah, I can't remember either. Actually, here, actually, no, this website actually has it. Okay, yeah, it's the same pricing for the V four upgrade. Okay. Interesting. We love silence. Yeah, we love burr. Fun fact: Brett. the um, the MPEG license is stupid expensive. The MPEG two license for MPEG two transport streams two thousand dollars on top of the box on top of the price of the Sage. Or the Sage, damn. <laughs> the the Daz. <laughs> so you'd have to spend at least $2,100 or $2,200 on a Daz 3 just for the base model, plus another $2,000 to get MPEG 2. Well, damn, well, here's they're the, making bank. Well, well, here's the thing, though. You can't even use that license on an EL. You have to have the EX. Wait, really? Hold on. Yeah, remember, there's no expansion cards on the EL. Hi. And that and that MPEG card is a oh, no 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 this is just a license key. Well no no, no I know but like you were saying two thousand dollars and then the next year two thousand dollars you have to have the EX model to be able to use that MPEG card because it's an expansion and the EL doesn't support it. Um, actually it does because um, MPEG is now done internally through like HDMI and stuff. Oh, is it? From from what I've seen, I think that's why. Um, because It'd be interesting to they, find out. They don't include anywhere anything about uh an MPEG card included. Hmm. Might have to look into that one and update everyone. Yeah. Gabe, what are your thoughts on that? What was that? I said, what are your thoughts on that? Meh. I was honestly kind of expecting that kind of licensing scheme, judging by how the uh, Daz, Daz 2 is. Mm-hmm. Like I, my, I, I'm not that shocked. That's one of the reasons why I like my Sage. Because full disclosure, I have a Sage Digital, and that's my primary end deck. That thing, that thing, I don't have to pay any license keys for it. Yeah, in the future, I may have to pay for software upgrades, but those are pretty much optional at this point. Mm-hmm. And I and Sage is only charged for one upgrade, and that was the Rev ninety five. Yep, but I already have Rev ninety five. Yeah, so you didn't even have to pay for it. 
Well, I don't even. I didn't even have to pay for it because my sage was so new. Because I bought mm. my sage brand new, so yeah. the uh, they they have like a grace period of free of free uh, up, upgrades to the revenue. Just in that life. random chance you, yeah, you just bought it the, right after. Just in case, just in case it wasn't flashed with Rev ninety five, I could have flashed it for free. Mm, interesting. Yeah, the last update I got was uh, coming up on it. We're actually coming up on a year since the last update I got for it, which was just a um, a certificate update. Which makes me wonder if uh, I don't know if Daz has that same grace period. I do not believe they do. At that point, at that point, I would any any Daz that should have that firmware, I would assume they would come with it. Yeah, because Daz doesn't release. Watch the watch the Daz deck. Watch the Daz deck three come out and not have the freaking five point enabling key, and you have to buy it separately. <laughs> Jesus. Um, here's the thing: the DAS, the 5.0 is still, from what they said, was um, very experimental. That they recently re- uh, released the 4.4 update. I'm still thinking that what's probably going to happen is the DAS three is going to launch with 4.4. Mm-hmm. And then whenever 5.0 comes out, they might release it for free but knowing dads are probably going to make you buy that license but the thing is though i remember seeing somewhere that, that, front, that all the front panel controls are controlled by v5 so are you buying a daz deck to not even be able to use the front panel well that's a great question or maybe the because uh, I, I know they just recently released uh 4.4 i wonder if 4.4 has that in it for daz 3 i probably have anything. to dig into it more Mm-hmm. They didn't include anything in the docs about that, but then again, nobody has a DAS three yet. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that we know of. Yeah, no exactly. Hmm. I don't have anything though. Um, I guess we're still waiting on that. We're still waiting on our response from DAS regarding that. So, yeah, exactly. Oh, Gabe, should we tell? Uh, should 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 we announce that acquisition that we got? Oh yeah, Anna and I went. Anna and I went have havesies on uh, an easy cap. Yep, an easy cap is on its way to my house. Yep, nice. Eight hundred dollars each was not cheap. <laughs> it was not cheap, but hey, was not cheap. Better, Very better, better it. to Would be an IN than some of the EAS kitties we know. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's a trilithic easy cap, not a Viavi one. So it's an older model. Older does model, and any, it comes. Does in that black. have any? Does that have any benefits compared to the Viavi? No, not really. Uh, it, it actually says Trilithic on the box. Yeah. And that's It says cool. the proper brand. Yep. And, we all it's know. A, and it's on an old enough firmware where we could probably get the uh, Easy Plus integration working. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you were talking about it in the last episode. If, if we do get that working, hopefully we could do something where it's like, uh, I wonder, I'm not entirely 100% sure of how that works, but imagine it like... We could make a public server that can monitor this shit, right? And we can we can have it so it's like, hey, no, if you have an have easy to, plus, we would have to configure the easy. We would have to configure the easy cap to send to the easy pluses. But I wonder if you wonder if, if we you can, can like make an aggregation feed for it. Yeah, I was wondering if we could reverse engineer that feed because so so far on the docs about that, the way you have to do it is it's for every single easy plus you want to add in there. Uh, I think it also has a limit of how many you, you, you have to put them in manually. 
But what if, just think about this, we can go, if you have an easy plus, just um, give us your IP to whitelist and we'll put it in this program. So what it does is easy, easy cap sends it to this feed and this feed pushes it out to all easy pluses that are just whitelisted to the feed. So what I could do, we'll just have to do that. Yeah. What we get it? We we could just have a easy plus cap feed for everybody, you know? Yeah. We'll just have to do that. Um, $10 a year or $12 a year. So it's $1 a month just to make sure that it offsets the price of the fucking server. Yeah. Chances are it'll probably run on mine. (laughs) Yeah. My fucking just like everything else. Giant fuck off server. Your expensive. Oh yeah, app. I got a RAM upgrade on that server. It now has 384 gigs of RAM. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Only 384? Only Come 384. On. If I got if I got like four thousand dollars worth of RAM, I can bring it up and I can max out the server to its 1.7 terabyte limit of RAM. Yeah. What At that point, you put a petabyte of storage RAM. in there as well. That's, What's up? That's what did you mean? What did you say, Lawson? I said, why do you need that much is the question. Why not? Save save an African child today. They they might need that RAM. Who knows? They why not? I still have I still have the twelve dim twelve eight gig dims of hundred and twenty eight gigs on my fucking server that I'm gonna bring down. When I go visit my dad, I'm setting up one of these power edges for him for his business. I'm gonna double up, double up, double up the RAM on that server to 256 gigs. Nice. My wallet does not appreciate this language. <laughs> you want to hear you? You, you want to hear the most envious part about it all? No, I got the RAM for free. I said no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I heard you, and I ignored it. <laughs> God damn it! Gabe has thick ass server. Yes, and Gabe has my server thick, so ass thick brain too, because I told him no, and he continued. Yep. That's how we like to do things here at ERA. Brain is thicker than yours, Lawson. No, that's not. <laughs> I don't think that's a flex. <laughs> I don't think that's a flex, Anna. I, I think he needs to go to a doctor and check that out. Yo, um, all of our brains are so wrinkly. We make a pug freaking embarrassed. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and on that note. This is concluding the ERM font knowledge thing. No. <laughs> no. It's now a sponsor for WACN Technologies. Buy our shit. We don't sell it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You need to buy our shit so hard that it doesn't even it doesn't even compute. Oh, oh. Yo. Yo, you know what? If you pay me, I don't know, what? $100 sound good for an index game? If you pay me $100, just Outright, just send it to me on PayPal. I will legitimately set up an end deck for you. <laughs> just yep. give me money. <laughs> I need to food. You're just like I need to. I need to feed my. <laughs> Hi, you're on you a rock, eat- floating in space. Pretty cool, huh? Some of it's water. <laughs> Fuck it. Actually, most of it's water. I can't even get. Hey, Anna knows exactly where I got this from because she sent it. Yes, I know. Let's. Why do I have that on my soundboard? I don't know. Also, a lot of things in ERN are very random, like that. Yeah. How did this happen? Ow. Anyways, on that note, I think this is the last episode of the ER. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we're discontinuing all of this.
Yeah, we're fine. discontinuing all this. If, if, yep, this is the if, last if episode of the year on podcast until we all become 50 years old and depressed as fuck. If, I'm already if depressed. somehow magically reaches back to us and doesn't completely disregard our request due to everything that's taken place in this video, we will get back to you on that. Yo, yo, you know what? Your end podcast will come back whenever, whenever Marley raises from the dead. <laughs> in that case, bye bye your end podcast. Because <laughs> that shit's never happened, and Marley's a fucking zombie. I guess I'll, I guess I'll put a disclaimer in here. We are not actually discontinuing the ERN podcast. This is just for comedic effect. Yes. Or is it? Bum bum bum. Anna, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? I was about to play Spitfire, and then I realized that no. What's what's not? (laughs) On this episode of the ERN podcast, Anna makes a modem think that it's accepted a call without it being hooked up to anything. Oh, jeez. It is speaking to the air. Oh, legitimately, I I had my modem that I bought today hooked up to an Arduino that is screeching. And somehow managed to th- make the modem think that it was it had connected to a call. Like nice. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but cool. Wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to play that. No, I legitimately didn't mean to play that. I meant to play UBS. Maybe let's keep our hands off the soundboard, Lawson. <laughs> yes, good idea. You know that that makes me want to. <laughs> God damn it, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, on that note, I mean, uh, unless you guys have anything else to talk about, there really isn't much going on this week. But yes, tune in next week where I where I stretch out in an hour long podcast talking about the emergency alert system and how its community is full with self absorbed children. <laughs> not not even self absorbed. I'm pretty sure all of them just stole their dad's money and and no, I'm pretty sure half the kids. That are like under the age of eight who have an index just stole their mom's credit card, went on eBay and searched TFTEAS nine one one. No, no, you know what happened? Everybody who had a TFT realized that there's a shit ton of little kitties who's wanting to buy it and are willing to steal their parents' credit cards for it, and then they just started going on eBay listing them for four hundred dollars. Thank you, Ari. Knowing that people, no, because when Ari made her TFT setup video, Ari's like, what do I buy one? What do I buy one? What do I buy one? eBay. Okay. And then eBay bids for TFTs existed for like 0.5 picoseconds before some (laughs) nine-year-old. Legitimately, like it started off like before Ari actually got an Endec. It was easy to get an Endec. There was a whole bunch on eBay all the time. Like, whenever I got my Sage, there was, I think, like, seven different Sages on eBay. I just got the cheapest one. Um, There was also, like, four or five different Easy Pluses. There was so many TFTs, I'm not even... Yeah, it was ridiculous. The rarest unit at the time was a Burke. And, oh, and Holly Ann units kind of came and went. Yeah, there was also like three Sams on eBay. Then Ari got in a unit, made a video about it. All the units immediately dried up because every kid who decided to steal their parents' credit card immediately bought one. And, and now, it's still that way. Yeah, and it's still like that way because now there's basically no sages. And whenever sages are listed, they're, they're listed for ridiculous amounts of money. 
And even then, they're um, gone within minutes. Yeah. TFTs are $400 plus now. And the only reason that they're still up is because uh, nobody no has one is buying them. Nobody has $400. <laughs> no, it's not. No one has $400. No one wants nobody to pay wants to $400. Spend $400 for an Endeck, yeah. yes. For an um, Endeck from 97. There, there are no easy units anymore, and in fact, all the all the special easy gear is also gone. Like, yeah, somebody got that PSC nine hundred one A. I wonder if they actually have an index. Yeah, because that that unit only works with with either the GR units, a TFT, or um, the Trilithic Easy One. Yeah, the Trilithic Easy One. So, and the, we it, only know one person who has the Easy One, and that's Ari. Yeah, and she won't even turn it on. Yeah, she won't even. She won't even contact fucking Gorman to get the password for oh, the software. Oh, here's the thing: we already have the password. Don actually got the password. It's just Ari will not put it in because she doesn't know the password. And Don's like, "Here it is," and she's like, "But that's effort." And we're like, "Ari, get up off your ass!" Is that is that why she's Ari's also on a, a V two point six? No, she's on. She V2. says 6. she's she's she. Okay, I actually do have a development on this. She will move off a two point six if her hard drive fails. Yeah. Here, Look if the hard drive in the DAS fails. The DAS has an SSD. Fuck, I forgot. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Ari originally told me that she was on um, V two point six. The only reason why is because it's the last iteration of the DAS software that actually reads out the originator. The only the reason face slash cap. The only reason she has V2.6 is because it says WDFA slash cap. Because the newer versions don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is personally a stupid idea. There are a bunch of things that she's missing out on. Like um you've got uh, what 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 is that one that we were playing with on your DAZs? Oh, um, TDX, I think. TDX. TDX. Yeah, she's missing out on TDX. She's missing out on advanced cap features. She's uh, she's just missing out on a whole bunch of stuff, especially security upgrades. Oh yeah, and she's not going to touch it because you know WDFA slash cap. This is a oh, test of ERN emergency alert system. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> like, there, there's, there's nothing, nothing we can do about it because you know. I think Ari also said that she would upgrade if she got another DAS. So, the chances of that happening are very slim to none, if not zero. No, no not yeah, no, not not even slim. Literally, just no. Ari doesn't a doesn't have the money to buy another DAS, and if she didn't, I doubt she would. Oh, here. No, here's she the would thing. get a Nortel Meridian phone system before Ari she got a DAS. Ari was saying that she wanted a DAS three. Dude, that's like she can't even afford like hard drive. <laughs> Isn't Ari broke? Yes, Ari's broke. <laughs> so how is she going to afford all this? Is she you know putting how? money WDFA slash cap. Fuck you. She's becoming she's, a she's, She needs to start modifying. She needs to start monetizing her YouTube channel. Yep. She 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 is VTuber. She's going to to in, uh, attract all the kitties and have them pay her money. Well, yeah, that's that's, that's exactly. Well, she already the has all the kitties. Yep. yep. 
That's why the US community sucks. <laughs> yeah, she that's just she has the Thank you, issues. Ari. Well no, because now she can e even though the, the, the kitties suck, we can make Ari suck the money out of their wallets. Here here's the thing. It's not them, it's their parents' wallet. We we have proof that basically the main reason why weather radios and EAS units are so expensive right now is because of Ari. Is because of Ari. Hold on, give me one second. Yeah, no, I just think that's crazy. You can have one person just change that entire scene. Imagine Ari stopped making YouTube videos. Everyone because like, you, you got to think though. You got to well, think though. You got to think though. EAS in general, or at least like this hobby, is very niche. Yes. Here, and now it's not. But, with Ari, the reason why EAS got so bad was A, Ari made um, rare weather radios mainstream, but now any kid thinks any weather radio is rare. Like, legitimately so much so that freaking Antonio sold a normal, normal WR100 as an ASMR version for like... More money or something. I don't remember. But yeah. Like, like if you're at least going to do that, at least like, you know, V1 WR100, you know, like yeah, stuff like that. it wasn't even special. It was just a normal ass one. But he, yeah, which he is recorded crazy. Like, a I, video with it and then sold it up up price. And kids will buy this shit. Well, I'm, I'm selling my OG100 for like $90 now. I mean, not, not my OG100, my OG120. Legitimately? If if I had one of those unit and bearcat radios, I could sell that thing for a hundred dollars, which is already twenty dollars over retail price. And here's the thing: first of all, it's not worth that money. Second of all, it would be bought immediately because that would be the cheapest WX100 on eBay or WX400, whatever the fuck it is. It would be the cheapest one on eBay. You know why? Because the other ones is like two thousand five hundred dollars. It is five hundred to a thousand dollars for a weather radio. Yep. What the fuck? And two. here's the thing. But before Ari made this like as mainstream as it is now, they they were going on eBay for what like forty bucks, eighty bucks, if even that. Yeah. Um. Like. Emma, who who collected a bunch of radios, said that like back whenever she was collecting radios, like actually buying radios, she never bought radios more than like a hundred twenty dollars, and she's got a bunch of rare radios. Now, any rare radios can go up to five, six, seven hundred dollars easily, and it's, it's so annoying. And people will buy that shit. Yes, and that's why it's so dumb. If, because like if people continue to buy it, they continue to entertain the idea that you can just put any weather radio up for any amount of money and it will continue. Like you see how nobody's buying these. I guarantee you, one day these scalpels will realize, yo, like, yep. Honestly, there have been times that I've sat down and I got really tempted to sell every EAS unit that I have up up priced. Because I could make a shit ton of money off of that. Yep. Like, legitimately, my 911D 
which is a useless unit if you don't know how to use it. Like, very useless. I could sell that box easily. $400. Yep. $400. Because, because, because to be fair, it is it is a rare style yeah. of that unit. I could sell it even up to like $500 straight into my pocket. My TFT, that's 400 My Sage, that's 100, $150 to $200 right there. Straight into my pocket. I bought my Sage for 163 Yeah, exactly. I bought my first Sage for 60 bucks. Yep. $66. That's how much I spent for my OG Sage. Um, my first TFT, I spent 20 bucks on. My Burke, I spent 25-ish, I think. Yeah, like $25. My most expensive unit that I paid before I got this rack was the easy and that that was the most expensive at like 125 dollars straight up Mm -hmm. and now you could probably resell that for about 200 oh no i could probably easily resell it because now it's got three radios and the and the sound guard easily three three of the 400 easily Mm -hmm. if i went and got my other sage i could i bought it for 60 bucks i could sell it for 200 Mm -hmm. so here if if we do the price the price is 500 for my for for the 911 d Four, I've got two TFTs, 400 each. So 500 plus, so that's 900. That's what, 1300 just for the TFTs. 200 per Sage, that's 1700 for the, for those units. Then sell my, my uh, Triolithic unit for another, what, $300? Yeah, I'm making 2K right there. Just from these boxes. And on that note, I think it's uh, time to uh, conclude this podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, tune in. Right. Tune in next week. We'll, we'll do some more history of the EAS. But and in the meantime, we'll be back. Yeah. In the meantime, don't buy index unless you need yeah, them. Don't, really don't, don't buy yeah, index. Really don't. Except mine. You know buy mine. Doing. Give me money. <laughs> yep. uh, all right. <laughs> give Anna right. money, except she doesn't sell thanks. them. You know what? Thanks thanks bucks. I'll give it thanks to you for, for 50. 50. Ten. Right. So yeah, what? thanks everyone for listening. Ten cents. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to your podcast, everybody. Uh, tune in next week on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Half cents, everybody.